So most of us can probably agree. It's just straight up more fun to be there for live Ravens football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official resale ticket marketplace of the Ravens, Ticketmaster has a wide selection of fully verified resale tickets. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Plus, if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. So do yourself a favor and find verified resale tickets today by visiting Ticketmaster.com forward slash Ravens. Welcome into the vault. It is Wednesday, October 5th. Episode number two of the day coming up on deck here, and it's your official Ravens-Steelers preview. Rivalry is set to be renewed this upcoming weekend on Sunday in Pittsburgh. It's a 1 o'clock kickoff between these two foes, and I'm very much looking forward to providing pregame and postgame coverage, of course, here inside the vault and across the Bobby Baltimore channels. As promised, we have a Pittsburgh guest. She is a familiar face and name to the program. We had her on. Last year, you might remember, it's ESPN's Brooke Pryor. And without further ado, let's bring her in. We didn't scare you away too much, Brooke, last year, but uh, a lot has changed, of course. Just a number of things going on. And right before we we began, we'll get to this in just a bit, but it seems like you're living in the era that we were last year with Greg Roman and it kind of feeling like he's living on expired time with, with offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh, Matt Canada. So we'll get to that. In just a bit but first i always like to ask we did last year we'll do it again through four weeks the state of the steelers in your mind very generally speaking Ooh, uh it is not great um i've been describing to my friends and family who are not in the steelers locker room and not around the team that the, the vibes are bad i mean it is yeah. it is crazy though that this is a team that's two and two the last couple of years, they've started out one and three, one and four. So by a record standpoint, they're ahead of the last couple of years. But um, it is – it's not good. I mean, the offense doesn't have an identity, right? And this is – I think it, it feels like we're stuck in this cycle um, of watching a team, of covering a team – that every year it's promised, okay, this is the year that they're going to start fast. This is the year that they're going to commit to running the ball and that's going to work. And the quarterback is figured out and, and it just doesn't change no matter how many times Mike Tomlin says, oh, big changes are coming. We're going to change things. Big changes are coming. The big change this week was they practiced in pads on Wednesday, which as uh, one of my fellow beat writers pointed out, they were probably going to practice in pads anyway. They hadn't done it yet this season. Uh, They're coming off of a couple short weeks. This is the first like real week of practice they've had. So yeah, they were probably going to practice in pads anyway. Um, And so it just feels like, I mean, I, I hate to bring out the cliche definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. But I mean, that's, it feels like that's where, things are in Pittsburgh, at least offensively. Defensively, this is still, I think, one of the best defenses in the league, at least as far as they have some of the, I think, the best defensive players as a unit. They're not performing, I think, up to the level you would expect. Um, They did not get any pressure 
um, at least any consistent pressure. They didn't sack C.J. Stroud once uh, against the Houston Texans. Um, but they are definitely missing Cam Hayward. This run defense is not very good. I think there are some big issues in the secondary because Patrick Peterson is not the corner he used to be. Levi Wallace has had some some struggles in leverage, and that's not all his fault. I think that there have just been some miscommunication. Safeties aren't where he expects them to be, but the defense, I think, is closer to having things figured out than this offensive group. Lots to unpack there. We will do that over the course of this episode, and I listen to every single second of Mike Tomlin's Tuesday press conference. So I know what you're talking about and I haven't listened to every single one of them, but it did seem kind of broad, not exactly answering questions fully. But then again, with the, the conviction that he speaks with the confidence, I, I think Sarah's described it best earlier this week. It's authoritative. You know, you, you, it, it, it does kind of le- it, it sounds good, right? But is there substance to it? And I guess that's the question. Let's first begin with the quarterback situation. I'm going to cut to a video that you put up on Twitter, your exchange with with Kenny Pickett, second-year guy out of Pitt, who I'm guessing he's going to be listed as questionable for the weekend just in terms of the injury report itself with that bone bruise. But here he is essentially saying he's going to be good to go come Sunday. Going to be ready to go by Sunday. Were you worried at all that it was going to be worse than what it was? Uh, a little bit from what the doctors were saying. Uh, they were worried about, but got got lucky that it was what it was and uh, pushing to go Sunday. you have any limitations at all? Um, no, I think by Sunday I'll be good. The knee brace that you have on, is that just for practice, or are you wearing that around all the time? Uh, just for practice. So that exchange with, with reporters, including yourself earlier this week, what, what's going on with Kenny this year so far in year two, and, and how serious do you think this bone bruise is? And, and specifically with the bye week, if I'm not mistaken, being on the other side of this rivalry game, why the heck is there – is he feeling the pressure to get out there? I mean – you know, I think that this team is in a really bad position right now with its quarterbacks. Um, and it's, it, it is interesting, first of all, and ironic. And I, I don't, any number of words you want to say that through four weeks, this team has a different starting quarterback. And yet I was looking at the stats um, earlier this week when I was working on a story and the offense is performing worse. The QBR is lower, the total number of points scored and the the yards per game is all lower through four weeks this season than it was through four weeks last season. And when the offense was playing badly through three and a half weeks last season is when they benched Mitch Trubisky in favor of Kenny Pickett and said, all right, let's get this, the rookie going. It's time. It's, it's Kenny Pickett's time to kind of take this job. And they're not going to bench Kenny Pickett, but I do think that, the way that it appears this injury situation is playing out is not one that benefits the team. And it's not one that benefits Kenny Pickett or the quarterback position. Uh, because like you mentioned, there is a buy Kenny Pickett has not played well through four weeks. Um, he does not have great pocket management. He's definitely feeling the pressure in the pocket and he's sacking himself a lot. Um, I forget what the exact numbers were, but I want to say that, by and large, the number of sacks that he had on Sunday against the Texans, the majority of them were he did it to himself. He was running into pressure. He was bailing on a pocket too early. He wasn't getting through his progression of reads. Um, the fourth down play where he got hurt was because he bailed out of the pocket. And there was some pressure coming. It was not a perfectly clean pocket, but he rolled out and rolled right into Jonathan Grenard that Broderick Jones had been holding off, but he can only do so much, right? And so I think that 
the decision-making feels like there's been somewhat of a, a regression. Um, the accuracy is not there. It looks like he has happy feet. It is just, it is honestly pretty confounding when you look at the way he was playing in the preseason. Yes, it was only five drives, but he looked confident and sure and accurate and same thing at the end of last season, the last Ravens game, um, the Raiders game. He had these game-winning drives, and it just feels like that Kenny Pickett is not the Kenny Pickett that's back there right now. And so I say all that because he has this bone bruise, a pretty significant brace on his knee. Um, from watching practice, he's not moving fluidly. He does not look agile. He does not look mobile. That's a part of his game. He's not for better or worse, he's not going to stand in the pocket, right? He, he, he will bail out. And if he can't move that just put, he's just a sitting duck. And so I think that it would have benefited the team. And I think him to play it safe this week to, you know, let him practice, let him work back in and then have Mitch Trubisky be the, be the starting quarterback this week, give him an extra, give Kenny Pickett an extra week in the bye whether he could have played or not with the with the health of the knee, at least give him a chance to reset, to get his mind right, to you know take a 20,000-foot view, a way that you can't necessarily do week to week and give him a bonus buy. But I think that there is I, – I would guess that there's probably a concern, whether it's justified or not, that if Kenny Pickett says, all right, you know what, I that's fine. I, I, will, I will play it smart and play it safe. What if Mitch Trubisky comes out and just blows the doors off of Baltimore? What if he comes out and has the best game of his career? You know, I, I don't necessarily think that that would happen. But if you do go out and you start Mitch Trubisky and he has a great game, then are you putting your your first round pick in a position where it's like, ah, I don't know if Kenny Pickett should be playing. Should they go back to Mitch Trubisky? It's just it's not great all the way around. They are really in a mess and. I mean, Kenny Pickett is, he is nothing if not confident. Everyone I've talked to around Kenny Pickett says that he's the strong, mentally he's the strongest uh, player they've worked with. He is very dedicated. All of the things that you want in a quarterback, he has those intangibles, but it's just not translating on the field right now. I'll tell you what, he's not the only quarterback in the division that's just not right physically. And I really think that Joe Burrow pushed it too much, like with the calf strain, coming back too soon. And I don't know if there was pressure being that he had just kind of reset the market monetarily speaking, you know, with, with quarterback money and stuff. And maybe he just felt like he needed to be there for his team. But man, if, if Kenny's not right for his sake, I, I hope he just like, you got the buy on the other side, man, get yourself right. Like this is a long season. We know this division, there's going to be a ton of parity, even though right now it seems like there's not as much as you would have thought. I still think over the course of the next couple of months, there everything's going to be balanced out, and I would not be surprised if it's if it's decided in you know week seventeen or eighteen. So <laughs> and that's not saying anything groundbreaking, but um, so anything related to is it a product of the offensive line, or are you telling me this is really just Kenny's decision making, the the uncomfortableness in the in the pocket, things of that nature? Anything going towards the O line at all? You know, I, I think it's both, right? Because the O-line has not been great. I don't think they're as bad as some grades, whatever, might suggest. I know that, that ESPN and, like, Pro Football Focus are very far apart on grading the O-line as, as far as pass rush win, win rate, yeah. all of these things. Um, I think the O-line 
could be better. I think that Mason Cole hasn't had a great center, has not had a great start to the season. He's being pushed back a lot. We saw that especially in the run game. There were several instances of him being pushed right back into Najee Harris trying to start a run. Um, I think a big thing that's affecting the quarterback here is they don't have a run game going right now. And it seems like once they do get it going, and, and several players have mentioned this, coaches have mentioned this, that they get a run game going, then they have a negative play, and then they abandon it completely. You know, like, oh, God, okay, and never mind, the run game's not working, we're going to go back to Kenny throwing the ball. And there's just not this commitment to the run game. It also, by the way, is hard to continue running the ball when you get down in a hole because you can't score and the defense is out there for however many plays. It, it's just this vicious cycle. But I think that what this team needs to do is, by and large, what they did against the Raiders, where they used a lot more play action. That put Kenny Pickett in a better position. Um, it, it got this offense going and it gave it momentum. And that was one of... I think the things that frustrated the offensive players a lot in the loss to the Texans is that fourth and one play, not only did Kenny Pickett not throw the ball to the open receiver, but they had been running the ball incredibly well in the third quarter. Najee Harris had carries of 15 yards. I believe he had a 23 yard. He had a 32 yard catch and run. I mean, he came out like a man on fire in the third quarter and they were driving the field there at the 33-yard line when they have this fourth and one play. They elect not to kick a field goal. They come out after a timeout in a shotgun formation, don't even attempt to run the ball. And you look at that and you say, what? You, you've just been running the ball so well, and now you're in a short yardage situation. Yeah. And Mike Tomlin said, hey, you know, we couldn't run the ball because – the spot was different from what we thought it was, and we had injuries to Pat Fryermuth and Dan Moore, and so we didn't have access to the jumbo package. All of these things, but you could have at least put them under center, right, and, and hinted at the threat of a run game, but they took that completely out of it. And so, to me, I think that the thing that, that's going to make Kenny Pickett play better, that's going to make the offense play better, is by establishing a run and, you know, riding Najee Harris, he when he is clicking, he is the back that they expected him to be when they drafted him in the first round. I think that Jalen Warren has a great complementary skill set as a really um, explosive and dynamic back. Najee Harris is much more your every down power back, but he can still get out and move in space. Um, but I say all this knowing that the Ravens have a really good run defense, so good luck, you may have figured out, hey, we need to run the ball to get Kenny Pickett more comfortable, open up the play-action passing, but are you going to be able to do against do it against the Ravens? Good luck. Yeah. They have had some injuries at edge this year, and so you've seen a couple of guys, uh, in particular Zach Moss with Indianapolis, kind of get out on the outside and find some chunk areas in space against the Ravens, but uh, but yeah, they know. They know banging with Najee is no joke. Uh, I just listened to the press conferences before we launched, before we started recording here, and they know that he is one of the best backs in the league. Everything that you just discussed was reason, one of the reasons why the question that you posed to Mike Tomlin was in bounds. And this is not easy to ask a head coach four weeks into the season. So I give you credit here. <laughs> Here's your tweet. You asked him if there would be a change to division of labor among coaching responsibilities, especially as it pertains to play calling. And in, in the entire one of the, the quotes from the answer was not at this juncture. What do you do you think that he would consider making a change in season of Matt Canada? And what do you think has been the Achilles heel? What is going on with Canada in the play calling booth? Does he just not have the ability to do it? 
Gosh, it, you know, the, the thing that nobody wants to say out loud, or at least that Mike Tomlin, I, I believe Mike Tomlin recognizes, he knows it, we all know it. It's, you know, the, the thing is you can be loud and fans can yell fire Canada, change the play calling, all these things. The ugly truth is that the Steelers are stuck, right? Because this is Matt Canada's scheme. They're not going to tear down the offense and install an entirely different scheme if they get rid of Matt Canada in the middle of the season, right? I mean, you could have somebody else calling plays, whether that's quarterbacks coach Mike Sullivan. Um, there's, you know, a Twitter theory that Glenn Thomas, who is added as an offensive assistant, uh, is the offensive coordinator in waiting, and he's the one secretly calling plays. Whatever it is, they're still picking from the same menu of plays. They're still yep. running the same install. So I, I don't know that just firing Matt Canada would do a 180 for this offense, right? I mean, they're, they're kind of stuck. Um, I do think that the, the locker room recognizes that, and that's why Najee Harris yesterday at the end of his availability, um, he was being asked about a, a meeting the team had on Monday or Tuesday of this week that sounded like it was, it was a players only thing, but he, he didn't come right out and say that. And one of the questions that was asked to try to clarify was were the coaches involved and uh, Nashi took that as an opportunity to give a pretty impassioned defense of the coaches of Matt Canada saying, look, coaches, coach players play. We are not executing. This has nothing to do with the coaches. We are not, we are not getting the job done with what's being put in front of us. And I think that, that that is a big issue, that, that they aren't executing. Um, but I think that, that this is a team that realizes, like, hey, this is a marriage that we can't get out of, right? Like, this is at least not this year. Um, I think that the problem with the play calling is that it is too predictable, uh, particularly on, you know, the, the deep throw to Calvin Austin that got intercepted against the Texans. Um, I went back and I, I watched – the game from the the TV broadcast earlier this week. And it was remarkable to me how many times the analysts and play-by-play were making note of, well, that's the same play that they ran against the Raiders. And the Texans knew exactly what was coming here. And yes, every, every team runs versions of the same plays, right? But there's something about the way that they are being called or lined up that is just very predictable. It makes it very easy to scheme against. Kenny Pickett, I think, then does not, and the players are not bridging that gap between predictability and, and execution with their talent as far as, okay, great. You know, we, when, when Patrick Mahomes had Tyree Kill, we knew he's going to throw the ball deep to Tyree Kill, right? But he could still get it done because Tyreek's an incredible receiver. Patrick's an incredible quarterback. But in the case with, like, Kenny Pickett and Calvin Austin – you know, the the Texans identified they're throwing it deep. Can he pick it under through it a little bit? And that put Steven Nelson in the exact right spot because he knew that's where it was going to pick it off. And that was a, a turning point in the game, even though it was only the first quarter. Um, and so I think that just the element of predictability and this team just not executing the things called is just turning into this. You feel like you're banging your head against a wall. Um, but again, I mean, I don't know how much can reasonably change, even if they change who's calling the plays. And by the way, the Steelers, as you know, we've talked about uh, amongst ourselves on the beat, the Steelers don't pay people not to work. 
they do not fire coaches, coordinators, anybody in the middle of a season. Matt Canada's contract is up at the end of the year. At this point, I would be very surprised if he is around next year because that gives them the natural out. But I, I don't believe that, that they're going to part with him in the middle of the season because that's just not how they work. There's a lot of noise surrounding it to your, to your point. You've, I'm sure you've consumed a lot of it, especially on the national side of things. I mean, everybody's picking up on the vanilla nature, the predictability, things of that. Speaking of noise though, I'm sure maybe you've seen this Patrick queen. He created some noise yesterday during his media availability and unprompted shared a story from his rookie year with one Mike Tomlin. Anytime you know you join this organization and they talk about this game, it's the game that defines you and makes you a Raven. And um, uh, when I was on my so- on their sideline my rookie year, Mike Tomlin was looking at me, yelling at me, you're not a Raven, you're not a Raven. You're not supposed to be there. You're not, you're not one of them. So uh, every time I play them, it's something personal. That obviously stuck with you. Yeah, definitely did. <laughs> definitely did. I don't care if he was joking. I don't care if he was serious. At the end of the day, I'm on your sideline. You're telling me I'm not a Raven. It's kind of disrespectful. So. You think about that now every single time you go into these games? Yeah, I just because at that point it's like, <laughs> like I never even told you anything. Like you just coming at me. So I mean, at, from that point on, it was just it is what it is. You know. Welcome to rivalry week is what I say to that. But uh, I know you haven't been in the, the locker room yet today, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm sure there'll be some some reaction later on. We'll have to be following your tweets. But uh, what did you make of that? <laughs> you know, it's I'm glad that I, I saw that this morning after last night. I was just, you know, doing some reading, um, trying to do a deep dive on Mike Tomlin, trying to just, you know, there are things that, I don't want to say go unnoticed, but he's, I mean, he's in his 17th season, right? And so there's a lot of stuff to consume. And so I was reading some things back from when he got hired by the Steelers and the early Super Bowl runs and, you know, everybody's doing big takeout pieces. And one thing that kept coming up in these pieces where people are talking to his mentors, to people who have known him for a long time, is how much Mike Tomlin loves to just talk trash to literally everyone. Like, it does not matter if you're his boss, if you are his player, if you're his assistant, if you're his peer, like he, he's an equal opportunity trash talker and he thrives off that. He loves to get under guys' skin. And again, it doesn't matter if you're his own player or an opposing player. That's just how he is. Um, and it, it can be such a double-edged sword, right? Because on the one hand, I'm sure that that is one thing that motivates his own players. Um, You know, when he talked a couple weeks ago about this offense has lost its mojo, he comes out a week later and says like, no, that was, that was just a load of ball. Like I didn't actually (laughs) believe that, but I had asked Najee Harris about it after the game in Las Vegas. And Najee was like, yeah, he's full of it, but it was a challenge to us. And we heard that like, all right, fine. We, we, we don't want to have lost our mojo this week when Mike Tomlin says, they lost their physicality. That's him trash talking through the media. And it works when it's with your own team. But I think the interesting thing here is Mike Tomlin, yeah, he loves to trash talk other people because most of the time he's been able to back it up. He's had the team to go out there and back it up. He's called a shot and he's hit the bank three at the buzzer. I I don't know that you necessarily have a team that can back that up now. And now things that before – added to the added to your team's motivation added to the mystique around you now they're becoming bulletin board material like 
it's one thing to say those things when, you know, you're you're dominating a series or you're winning the AFC North year after year. You're a perennial playoff team. You're going deep in the playoffs, which this team hasn't done in a while. But yeah. it still, I think, is this is where it comes back to bite you a little bit. And, you know, I think that Mike Tomlin will also use that, use what Patrick Queen's saying is motivation among his own team. You know, look, this guy's saying that <laughs> that that we disrespected him. Let's disrespect him again. You know, things like that. But it um, this is, you know, you live by the trash talk, you die by the trash talk. So most of us can probably agree. It's just straight up more fun to be there for live Ravens football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official resale ticket marketplace of the Ravens, Ticketmaster has a wide selection of fully verified resale tickets. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays, and mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Plus, if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. So do yourself a favor and find verified resale tickets today by visiting Ticketmaster.com forward slash Ravens. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Funny, I watched a lot of Mike Tomlin this week. That Tuesday press conference, Sarah and I talked about it at length. The amount of uh, attention to detail, preparation that goes into that, very different than other NFL head coaches, the way they handle business with the media. I, I don't know how you guys feel about it locally, but I watch it and I'm like, wow, this is extremely entertaining. It's insightful. I don't know. Perhaps it's just like you've been used to it for so long. Now you've been in Pittsburgh that maybe it's just, it, you, you know, kind of rolls off the tongue for them. But what do you think? I mean, I, I think there was some debate after PQ said that yesterday uh, amongst Ravens fans in terms of like whether or not he actually meant that or that was just like you said, uh, a between the lines like football thing that's sideline. You know, you're in the heat of battle. That's the way I saw it, not something that was actually personal. And I was surprised that PQ unprompted said yeah. that. Where, where do you fall on that? I, I think that that was a football thing that yeah. he was saying, because the thing is, too, Mike Tomlin has such a respect for so many players who are good players. And I think those are the ones that he likes trash talking to the most. Right. I mean, I hate to pull out the trope of like, well, if he's teasing you, he probably likes you because that is just, you know, so problematic on so many levels. But there is a grain of truth to that in this case of like, 
if you are someone that Mike Tomlin is picking at in that way, he sees something, I think, great in you and is trying to, you know, elicit a response. He, he has such a respect for so many players across the league on different teams and has a relationship with so many players, whether it's somebody that he just met at a pro day dinner at an interview at the combine. I mean, these are interactions that stick with him for a long time. Even last week prepping for the Houston Texans, he's talking about going out to dinner with seat with it was Will Anderson and Brian branch and some of the guys at Alabama. And then just, (laughs) just, goes off on a tangent about how much he likes Brian Branch. And we're like, he is not on the team that you're facing. But that's just the kind of guy he is. He is incredibly smart, um, was a really good student all throughout school, and and everything he does is intentional. And I think that it to him, picking at a player that way or saying something like that, he's not trying to make a personal attack. It is very much a football thing. And by the way, to your point about the way that he prepares and the way that he conducts his press conferences – it, it reminds me of college coaches. I, I come from covering college, and that was the way, you know, uh, Bob Stoops did it, Lincoln Riley mm. did it, where they have this long opening <laughs> statement. And they, yeah. I mean, they are filibustering you. That's how I look at it with Mike Tomlin. He spoke for 19 minutes before we had an <laughs> opportunity to ask a question. That is by design, because in his mind, he can control, the longer he talks, the more of the narrative he controls, right? It's being carried live on local Pittsburgh TV. It's being streamed. Yeah. He gets to set the tone and send the message first before it gets muddied up with questions. And maybe the longer he talks, the fewer questions we'll ask. So then it becomes a mm-hmm. battle of wills. Like, all right, well, are you going to wear me down so that I'm going to be exhausted? Be like, oh, I can't ask this guy any questions. <laughs> I've been sitting here for 20 minutes. I've lost my focus, everything else. Or... You know, I, I sit there with my laptop open and my notes app open and I, you know, type down questions as as they come to me throughout that long preamble. And he he kind of it, it's almost like he's trying to talk you into submission. Like, okay, I'm I'm gonna forget what I came in here to ask and yeah. and everything else. And and he knows that the longer he talks in the beginning the less time there are for questions because you can sense a shift in the room after like, I don't know, when we get to about 1225 or so, it starts at noon every Tuesday. When you're at about the 25 mark, the 26 mark, you can tell he's starting to get antsy and he's ready to get out of there. And so he's, by that point, he's had, you know, 19 minutes of his own thought uninterrupted and six minutes of ours. And it is, it, the tactics are fascinating. I, I wow. love looking at it and just the the chess match that he engages in with us, with his team. It's, you know, think whatever you want of, of Mike Tomlin's coaching record, everything else. But from a, a human study standpoint, I think it's so fascinating. That is spectacular. I did not see that angle, acknowledge that, recognize that until you just eloquently described it. It makes total sense to me the game within the game when it comes to media coverage. And uh, wow. I mean, I, I even, cause I watched a lot of him this week and I was like, dang, this is a lot different than what John Harbaugh does, but that makes sense. Like I'm sure he gets a ton of PR briefings right before those leading into it. So he knows essentially what you guys might ask. And so then he can control the narrative by the time, gosh, like you said, 19 minutes in, perhaps you guys, maybe it's already been addressed. 
what you what you were planning on asking. So that is, that's, I mean, that's, he he did not mention anything about coaching until I asked him about it. Twenty minutes in, <laughs> that was incredibly intentional. And then, if you need to ask him a question about something he's already addressed, you know, the changes thing, that he can say. Well, as I mentioned in my opening statement, I've already addressed that kind Ooh. of thing. So it's it's very intentional and it's super interesting. He's got it down to a science, as do you. Goodness <laughs> gracious. All right, let's finish here because I've kept you a little bit longer than what we discussed. But um, I, I don't know if you do the prediction game. I can't remember what we did last year. But if you have one, go ahead and, and share that with us if you're interested in doing so. And then maybe a key matchup that you're most looking forward to, whether it's in the trenches or, or elsewhere. You know, everything on paper tells me that the Ravens should win this game, right? And then I look at it and I look at how weird this team has been in the last couple of years and they win the games they're not supposed to and they lose the games they're supposed to win. And so I, and then I feel like <clears throat> as soon as I make a prediction that they're going to win, they'll definitely lose. <laughs> um, but in this case, I kind of feel like this is a game the Steelers win it's very close, but the difference though, I, I think a lot's going to be the health of Kenny Pickett and how well he can actually play and if they can actually run the ball. Um, but this is a team that's done really well against Lamar Jackson defensively. Mm -hmm. So I think it could be a low ish scoring game that the Steelers win, you know, a, maybe, maybe low is not the right word. Maybe like a 21, 17, something in that range or, or like the the last game last year, the 16-13 game, somewhere in that range, a Steelers win. Um, and and I am speaking of Lamar Jackson, I'm looking a lot here at TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith and how they match up against the Ravens offensive line and Lamar Jackson because TJ Watt and and this Steelers pass rush have played well when they've seen him. Now they haven't seen Lamar Jackson very often recently because of injuries and timing yeah. and everything, but considering this pass rush that is so good, supposed to be so good. TJ Watt had a great start to the season. They don't get any sacks on CJ Stroud. I have to think that they're coming out and they're very motivated, especially in a division game, especially against Lamar Jackson. So that's, that's the matchup that I'm going to keep an eye on um, me as well. Yeah. Lamar, Lamar's got to get the monkey off his back to your point, whether it's unavailability or just struggles, turnovers, he has not played his best football uh, against Pittsburgh, whether it's in Pittsburgh or elsewhere. So Looking forward to the next chapter of this one being renewed. Brooke, th thanks so much for your time. I know you got a lot going on this week, uh, as we do every week during the NFL season. Uh, you can be found on Twitter at BE Prior, which I would imagine over the next 24 hours or so, there's going to be some good response to what happened yesterday uh, here in Baltimore. So looking forward to that. And thanks again for popping on. Appreciate you, Brooke. Talk soon. And again, you can find Brooke's work on Twitter at BE Prior. Uh, she's awesome. She does great work for ESPN. And I just wanted to talk about a couple different things as well. Look, Kenny Pickett, like I mentioned to Brooke, I think what is the rush in getting back, especially when you have a serviceable quarterback in Mitch Trubisky? That tells me there's some pressure. He's not only feeling the pressure in terms of it's been a pretty hefty sample size now of games that he has under his belt at the regular season level uh, it, with the Steelers. And so, He's not producing. The offense is not producing or operating at you know, the standard that they expect in Pittsburgh. So I sense a little bit of desperation, to be honest with you, in Pittsburgh, whether it's the noise surrounding Matt Canada, whether it's the development or lack thereof of Kenny Pickett, which I thought Brooke did a good job of describing. 
So I am going to go in terms of my prediction. I'm going to go with the Ravens win. Here's what the ESPN line is right now. They are giving the Ravens four points. They're four point favorites going into Pittsburgh on the road for a week five matchup. And the over under is 38. Look, I think the injury report, and if you missed it, again, taping this on Thursday morning. So the, the Thursday injury report obviously hasn't come out yet. But this just, to me, looks a lot more promising than it did a week ago, right? And for the audio-only folks, you got full participants such as Ronnie Stanley, Rashad Bateman, Keaton Mitchell, Marcus Williams, Marlon Humphrey returned to practice in a limited fashion, as did Odell Beckham Jr. We'll see if those limited guys end up playing. But And, and there are some questions on the right-hand side of the line with Morgan Moses being a DNP. Sure looks like maybe Daniel Falele might end up, you know, subbing in for him if he can't go unless he just feels like he needs as much rest time as possible this week. But I like the way they are right now in the injury department. They're trending in the right direction. I think they understand how important this is division-wise. You have a chance to go 3-0, and uh, all, of, all of which would have been on the road wins in terms of in-division situations. So I'm going to go with a Ravens win. Let's see here. I always do it on the fly, by the way. Uh, Over-unders, 38. Ravens are four-point favorites. It's the Steelers. It's always a less-than-a-touchdown game, right? So I will go definitely going to take the over. Oh, boy. I'll go 28. 28. 28-20. Uh, Ravens over the Steelers. That's what I'll go with. And I never got... Sarah's in Florida with her with her girlfriends. I haven't. I should have texted her to get her prediction, but I'm sure she'll discuss that. Maybe she'll text it to me, and or we can cover it tonight uh, on the Morning Vaults recording for Friday morning. So, anyway, looking forward to that. In terms of matchups, I'm with Brooke. I mean, the, the, the defensive pressure that Pittsburgh's defensive front, at least on paper, should bring Lamar Jackson you, you'd think will be good. You know, will, will be a challenge. I mean, we know when T.J. Watts playing. Uh, like he is, or at least like he can be, you know, he and Miles Garrett, who they've seen back-to-back -back weeks now, are candidates to be defensive player of the year, year in and year out. So I'll be looking forward to seeing how Baltimore's offensive line, especially we'll see if Ronnie ends up going. We'll see if Morgan ends up going. We know Linderbaum is back in there, but on the edges there, that'll be important in terms of pass protection, especially Lamar Jackson's blind side. So with that, we wanted to thank, uh, thank you, of course, for dropping by the channel and, and across all of our platforms here inside the vault. Also want to shout out and thank one of our newest patrons, Douglas McLaughlin. Uh, you think I pronounced that the right way? McLaughlin or McLaughlin? You let me know, Doug. But appreciate the support. Thank you for believing in what we're building here in Baltimore and beyond. And if you guys are interested in doing the same, visit patreon.com forward slash Ravens vault podcast to learn more about what we're offering, especially the small business level tier in terms of membership, $49.99 a month, $49.99 gets you a monthly shout out. You get your logo in the top hand, right? Uh, top right hand side of the screen. You get a, a shout out. You get a website link in the description of the video. It's a great way to basically showcase what you're doing in the small business community, whether you're in Baltimore or outside of Baltimore as well. And a lot of people have been utilizing that feature and opportunity that we've been offering over the last couple months. So 
Thanks, Doug, for everything. Sarah Ellison will be back with me on Friday's Morning Vault. And as always, thanks to our featured guest for helping me preview Raven Steelers. That is ESPN's Brooke Pryor. So for my partner and co-host, Sarah Ellison, who's chilling in Florida, as she should be, enjoying some time away from the family, enjoying some time away from life. And Brooke Pryor, today's featured guest. I'm Bobby Trossett signing off from this official game preview episode here inside the vault. We will next talk to you on Friday morning.